so back in the musical number. Applause! Woo! Yay! Um, over to you, Ryan, for best female-led series. Best female-led series, and the nominees are Broad City, Happy Valley. Orange is the New Black, Orphan Black, Outlander, Strange Empire, The One Hundred, The Fall, The Killing. That's a lot of series led by female um, protagonists, isn't it? And, and a good, good variety too. This is totally. This is not. Um, this is across it's not love stories. Uh, well, it's, it's across genres. Uh, um, yeah, and and some of my favourite shows for the year. Yeah, absolutely. Me too. Um, you know, Broad City is a a pot comedy, <laughs> pretty much. Right. <laughs> and I have to say, if I was going to pin down the show that gave me most joy, uh, it would be it would be Broad City. Uh, I, I, there is just something. Um, it's like getting a contact high when you watch that show. Like I cannot, mm-hmm. I cannot, it cannot fail to make me smile. And it had, um, I think, I don't, was it the final episode that has the scene where they go out for the birthday dinner and she's allergic to shellfish? And anyway, one of the one of the well, not one of the the funniest scene on television for me right. this year. And yeah. I just. Um, can't wait it's back very soon um it's back very soon yeah it's a very funny broad city um happy valley was was up there which you and i both had on our top five of the season um our 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 fans chose orange is the new black as their favorite which i guess shouldn't be surprising considering how how popular a show it was on Netflix. Yes. Um, and then the close second was Orphan Black. Yeah, I think I might have picked Orphan Black in this case because... Um, I think I did too. You know, Tatiana Maslany, seriously, um, <laughs> you know, talk yeah. about going above and beyond in, in, the, um, in the acting stakes. Um, yeah. Again, just, you know, she does everything... Um, I don't know. I mean, if we're judging it on the series overall, Orphan Black would also be up there for me, not only for her performance, even though she is most of the characters. <laughs> um, yeah. An extraordinary show and, and lots of fun. And again, showing what you can do with a sci-fi show that is different. You know, I think... Oh, yeah, feeling, yeah. I'm feeling a little bit oppressed by the superhero genre at the moment and, the, and sort of comic book-inspired shows, and it's nice when you can see a, um, you know, a genre TV show that is totally a, you know, not that there haven't been shows about clo- clones before, but, you know, this has taken it to the new level. Well, I'd also po- pop job, in yeah. there one that, um, and I'll mention this because I know you didn't like it, but I'm uh, up to date with season two of The 100 and mm-hmm. continuing to, I'm mentioning it in sort of Battlestar Galactica space at this point. I'm, I'm so oh, impressed. It's a bit so impressed. Like so impressed with it. I have no respect for this. The church, <laughs> the church of PSG. So say we all. So say we. All. Um, the one hundred got third place, actually. Good. So yeah, you're not alone in that camp. Um, and and it is a female-led series. I think Clark is the, sort of our main protagonist. Oh yes, uh, and and uh, going yeah. into se- the next season, there's, uh, I mean, it's still an ensemble show, but certainly, I would say the female protagonists outnumber the male protagonists at this point. Not that it's a numbers game. Um, what no, well, we got to re- they got to repopulate the planet, so that's good. <laughs> Uh, what was your pick? Um, I, you know what? I went with Orphan Black. Oh, okay. I really liked it. I, and in fact, I'm, I feel bad because I haven't been back to watch the second season so still. Um, but I really enjoyed Orphan Black when I watched it. I thought it was great. Um, Broad City was really good. Um, I could have voted for either of them, but I went with yeah. that one. And it looks... Um... And you know what? And The Killing was on the list too. And I really did like The Killing a lot. Yes. Uh, and Happy Valley, I really liked a lot. Sarah Lancashire, who starred in Happy Valley, I, like if we we're just talking about individual performances and individual characters, I thought the the character she played was again just but the writing and the performance a wonderful creation um, that 
I mean, you just felt like you knew her. And it was also, um, yeah, quite incredible. Interestingly, you mentioned, oh, no, we mentioned that off. <laughs> I forget what we talk about on the podcast. But uh, we will be reviewing uh, in the coming podcast Black Mirror. Um, one of your mm-hmm. favourite uh, directors from Black Mirror also directed Happy Valley. Um, so there's that as well. But Happy Valley definitely uh, up there. And, yes, I still have a soft spot for Mira Anus from um, the killing, although you know she needs to lighten up. Uh, she could have been, she could have been in one of our coming coming categories, I think. But um, yeah, Orphan Black. If you haven't caught it, please catch it. Strange Empire, another one, uh, which is basically a female ensemble show, Canadian, uh, set in the Canadian uh, pioneering days, and um, cannot wait for that to come back. Some a show doing things differently again. Uh, and Gillian Anderson in the fall is Gillian Anderson. So um, mm-hmm. that's really all you need to know. Lots of positive things to say about all those shows. Yeah. They're all very good. They are. All right, what's next? Most original new series. What series rewrote the rules and did something original that worked? We have Strange Empire, The Nick, The Leftovers, Halt and Catch Fire, Penny Dreadful, The Affair, and True Detective. What would, what would you... Um, I think we should go through and say what do you think was original about each series. Mm, yeah. Um, what's first? Well, Strange Empire, aside from being Canadian, um, I think it's interesting both in its style, uh, and I'm talking about the sort of the actual look of the show, um, and probably particularly the subtle way it works in a bit of... Um, magic realism into it so there are uh, subtle fantastical things that happen but in a way that are not you know they're not dominating the show and it is a female ensemble set in um, the 18 you know the 1800s um, with a number of uh, First Nations characters as well Uh, and it's really really good (laughs) so it, it, it's great at its world creating. Um, the Nick, I think we've talked about the Nick a lot. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, very cool. Um, the music was really different, yep. And great visual style from Soderbergh. Uh, the Leftovers, I think particularly its storytelling of, of dropping, a, dropping the viewer into a world where this event has happened, we're three years on and it's looking at the impact both on individuals and society and its refusal to, again, to explain things or, you know, make things easy for the viewer, I, I really love, you know. So we have the guilty remnant who is this cult who wear white and smoke all the time. And why? why? No, <laughs> and it doesn't matter. And I just think those things that uh, challenge the viewer to think and engage with the show uh, are great. Um, Halt and Catch Fire. Why don't you talk about that one, Ryan? Set in the 1980s, um, female hacker slash programmer girl that uh, helps develop the first computer, or the first portable computer. Um, some really cool dynamics between you know power-hungry businessmen of the 80s and... Um, engineering nerds and hackers and if you like things like you know um, the movie Hackers or something like that it's it's very different very brave totally different um, direction than you would think uh, TV would be going and I, I'll make a prediction here I think we're going to start to see more and more shows uh, looking back on the 80s at this point given that we probably have sort of people of that generation now writing TV, um, and I hope they're as good as Halt and Catch Fire. I think it really did some smart things, both with the characters, but also looking at that time, one of the things that stands out for me was its use of music, and very easy to go for, you know, a cliched 80s soundtrack, not mentioning any (coughs) Guardians of the Galaxy um, movies, but what they do with this is each character sort of is represented by a different musical style, because, of course, there were... A whole lot of different styles of music popular in the 80s. So you've got some sort of post-punk stuff and you've got some ska yeah. music. and So it's, it's clever on all levels. And I think showing, um, yeah, showing a time that we haven't seen on television since we were in the 80s. Yeah, and not, a cl- not really a cliched time. They don't, they don't focus on the 80s cliches too much, which I mm. like. Because um, it wasn't that much different than today, people. 
<laughs> wasn't that long ago. Oh, it was a long time ago. Um, Penny Dreadful I loved for just mashing up uh, all the uh, stories from Victorian uh, horror and gothic. You know, uh, we had... Uh, uh, Dorian Gray alongside Dr. Frankenstein and Dracula and it, 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 uh, it was quite joyous in the way it mashed all those things up and made them into this, um, this show that's sort of part horror, part mystery, part drama um, and a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, did you stick with it after about five or six Yeah, episodes? no, I finished watching the first season. Oh, you did? Oh, yep. good. Um, the affair, uh, which was really unique. I mean, it sounds like it would be boring, and I don't want to watch a dumb love affair. We both thought that we both watched it. We both really liked it. Um, done from you know, an episode is broken into two parts and shown from the perspective of a, of the man and the perspective of a woman and how things change between the two different storytellings and really unique and interesting. Some great acting, some great sex, some great. Um, storyline some great set pieces um really good the affair i thought it, you know if it started out at a nine i th- i felt like it ended at about a 7.5 mm. like uh, it kind of dwindled over the course of the season but totally worth watching totally mm. unique stuff uh, at the beginning anyways and uh, true detective of course hbo's uh, juggernaut which kind of rewrote the rules of detective shows rewrote the rules of police procedural kind of thing um, they did some time jump stuff similar to the affair uh, which had time jump uh, so did true detective where we're watching guys what was it 18 years yeah different, something yeah. like that um, and some just absolutely oscar worthy performances from matthew mcconaughey and woody harrelson and i think cemented uh, uh you know something that's been happening you know probably for 15 years now is this bleed of um you know film actors in in into television and i think this started you know this was a year everyone started basically you know saying there is no divide now you know uh, i'm sure there is in paychecks but um in terms of it being seen, you know, TV being seen in any way as a lesser medium to perform in, uh, that's that's totally out the window now. And I think, um, you know, we'll continue, continue to see more of it. And it also cemented this, uh, as I mentioned at the top of the show, um, the anthology format. So we will be having True Detective 2 with a whole new cast and a whole different story. Um, and that's, that's exciting. Uh, of course, it'll be interesting to see how the next season goes the performances of Halson and, and McConaughey really drove um, drove the first season um, and for whatever niggles I have about some of the plot stuff you know I think uh, I won't forget those performances in a in a in a short time and you know I think they've really the impact they just made on popular culture outside of um outside of tv i mean you know you only have to sort of say things like time is a flat circle and everyone's knows what you're talking about i think that's mm. that's always a sign of <clears throat> you know a show that really has done something original but who did our um who did our listeners pick as the most originals our listeners picked penny dreadful mm, okay interesting huh yeah one of our in fact was that our first podcast did we talk about penny dreadful I think I think it was well, the, so obviously people picked up on our podcast and fell in love with it. Yeah. Um, again, I would yeah. say that and they never listened again. <laughs> until this came out. I would say that some people haven't seen some of those other shows, but I hope you do. Yeah. Don't make me come over there. Some really great stuff. Yeah, really, <laughs> really groundbreaking stuff. All right, what do we got next? Uh, oh, a sexiest ginger category dear he? to both of our hearts. Well, that's why I put it in here. It's because you and I are always on about hot-looking redheads for some reason. <sighs> yeah. So our nominees for this category of Sexiest Ginger are Mirelle Enos from The Killing, Alana Huffman from Supernatural, Julianne Nicholson from The Red Road, Gillian Anderson from The Fall, and Karen Gillian from Selfie. Now... Gillian Anderson in the fall actually had blonde hair, didn't she? Uh, yes, I, I think at a stretch you might be able to call her a strawberry blonde, but she she wasn't uh, right. uh, she wasn't uh, as we say in Australia she wasn't a ranger in the in the strict sense of the term ranger being short for a orangutan. No, you know who we. <laughs> oh really? Yes, oh, we okay. call them rang- rangers. Um, you know who we. 
That's a terrible, terrible name, by the way. <laughs> Is there any un, any more unsexy name you could call them? Um, but that's what we're like in Australia. Orangutans? You like orangutans? We insult people because we care, which is sort of endearing, I think. Um, I think it's weird, and I think it's kind of not very sexy of a name. <laughs> well, it depends how you feel about orangutans. I know you have a you have a little avatar of you as an orangutan, Ryan. So, uh, and it's pronounced orangutan, orangutan. <laughs> There's no G on the end. Okay. There is in Australia. <laughs> no, there's not. Oh, orangutan. Um, orangutan. Um, um, so our sexiest orangutan goes to. <laughs> that's terrible. I don't want to say that. Okay, our sexiest uh, ginger. Who, who has who has your vote? The sexiest ginger. Look, best looking redhead. Our it, favorite. It, it was a bit of a hard call, but look, I went with Alana Huffman fr- from Supernatural, who played um, the absolutely wonderful and deadly Abaddon in season nine. Um, she just encapsulated gorgeously evil sexiness for me. And uh, yes, it wasn't actually a very hard decision, other than the fact that I love no. all redheads. Yes, um, I also went with her, and so did our fans, overwhelmingly <laughs> 65%. Oh my god, that was like, I think is the only unanimous vote we've had. I think so, probably. Um, you know who we left off the list was, um, we didn't have um, Egret from Game of Thrones on there. Oh, of course. Um, Damn. Who else didn't we have? Somebody mentioned it the other day, and they're like, oh, well, you must have had so-and-so, and I was like, no. <gasps> so mm. many... Don't remember now. So well, we didn't have uh, Ruth Connell from uh, Supernatural who plays Rowena right. as well. True, true, uh, true. Or Felicia Day from Supernatural. Or Felicia Day, yeah. Supernatural. True. Someone in the casting department loves a redhead. <laughs> Keep it coming. Keep it coming. No one's complaining. Exactly, and there's a new redhead coming up too that uh, you'll see eventually. Oh, spoiler. I know. I know. <laughs> Oh, so, no. there we go. Sexiest redhead, Elena Hoffman, no argument here. Okay. <clears throat> and she's a wonderful lady and a very talented actress as well. She actress, is. Sorry. And I hope, um, I know she posted the other day that she had an audition for something. I hope we see her on our television screens, uh, seeing Supernatural cruelly killed her off. Uh, I hope we see her very soon. Next category, once and for all, who is cooler? If they were wearing a tuxedo, standing alone in a white room, camera pointed at them for five minutes, who is cooler, John Cho or Joshua Jackson? This is a tough one. I bet I know who our listeners went with, and I bet I know who we went with. Mm, well, you're getting a little hubris there. I think our listeners... Who do you think? I think the listeners will have gone with Joshua Jackson. I think you and I went with John Cho. Wow, you're absolutely correct. Yes! <laughs> uh, and you know what? It was neck and neck up until today when I looked. Um, it was really close. They were only off by a percentage. But somehow Joshua Jackson pulled ahead by 26% to 21%. For John mm, still close. So I mean, he, still not... Yeah, it's very close, yeah. Within 50 votes... Um, yeah, I mean, I would love to see this happen in real life. Who's cooler? Well, I would love to see them in a TV show together. And more than anything, I want to see John Cho have a lead role in a TV show. He did. It was called Selfie. You didn't watch it. <laughs> in a good TV show, okay? Clarifying. Also had a redhead in it. Clar- what else they could have done to make it better <laughs> and it was about social media seriously <gasps> do they need to come to your house to say watch this well no they probably should have asked me to write it uh, <laughs> couldn't have been worse okay <laughs> best comedy now um, I, I have to give Ryan his due here I've been off TV comedy in any form for many years I hate sitcoms and uh, so anytime I hear blah 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 comedy I pay no attention which meant that I was watching no comedies on television. Mm-hmm. And Ryan convinced me that there were shows out there which I would find um, interesting and humorous. And you were right. Mm-hmm. I hate to say Absolutely. it, but damn you, you were right, Ryan. Yeah. <laughs> and introduced me to what ended up being some of my favorite shows overall for the year. You know, what we left off here was House of Lies we could have had on there. Um, I was episodes on there. Yes. Both of those. Both of those are fantastic. Yes, and, and they're comedies, right? They are, and I'd have to, um, I'd have to yeah. put House of Lies on up there on my 
you know, list of everything. Uh, Would you like things. to read the nominees? Uh, we have Marin, there's a mm-hmm. comedy starring uh, Mark M- Marin, Louis C.K., Broad City, Legit with J- DJ Qualls, Trailer Park Boys, The League, Portlandia, and Silicon Valley. Some really good shows. <laughs> Some really funny stuff. And this is just stuff that we reviewed. I mean, there's still lots of funny shows out there, but just stuff that we reviewed last year. Who did your vote go to, Jules? I can't remember now. It was probably Broad City. Um, it was... Why can't I see it? Oh, weird. I'll say it was it's Broad City. Got it here. Hold on. Huh. For some reason, I'm not able to see what it was. Maybe I moved them around or something. I'm pretty sure it was Broad City. Yeah, I think you're right. Um, Broad City, and I actually went with Trailer Park Boys. Tough call. Tough call. It's really tough call. I, I mean, I, I could watch all of those over and over and over again. But um, seeing Trailer Park Boys come back to television, especially after going and seeing that movie that you and I saw. Swear uh, it! Epic. <laughs> Swear it, exactly. Uh, was pretty epic. So I, that's where my vote went. For the fans' vote, the listeners' vote, um... Jeez, really spread evenly. I was going to say, they were probably very confused because I bet a lot of people hadn't seen any of these. Maybe. Um, Actually, there was quite a few number of votes. um, Over 50 in all of them. But Louis got 98 uh, votes. So he had 80% of the votes. After Louis was Portlandia. Yep. After Portlandia was... Trailer, uh, sorry, uh, Silicon Valley, and then Trailer Park Boys. Hmm. Thought legit might have got a few more because I thought we might have had a crossover between perhaps, you know, supernatural fans who listen to right. our show and DJ Qual yeah. fans. And DJ, certainly, I yeah. thought legit was legit funny. And yeah, I did too. And yeah. legit doing something we haven't seen before on TV. Yes. Um, both in the the subject matter, which uh, you know focused a lot on disabled people. And also in the style of humour, which I think was um, particularly darkly d- mm, delicious, mm. but broadly funny. So it wasn't. Yes. Uh, so, so I think the the humour often in things like Louis and Marin can be dark, but it's not always thigh slappingly funny. Sometimes it's just like um, I don't know. Gee, I'd kill myself if that was me. <laughs> yeah. Where legit was really pushing the boundaries of oh my god I can't believe they're showing that and doing that uh, and on FX as well yes. not, not on like HBO or Showtime so yes. yeah really really great it's a shame that it got the axe but uh, um, really funny show um, but again I'll, I'll I'll emphasize what I said before Broad City you know in, in really just and and it's funny because a lot of Broad City is is quite broad physical humor. Um, it's not a subtle show, and if you described it to me, I may have thought, oh, it's not quite my show, but there is just something... joy Joyous is the only word I can come up with because it's... Um, yeah, there's just something about it that is so, so brilliant and um, silly and playful and just fucking hilarious. <laughs> and I can't wait to, for it to be back. Luckily, they've kept us going with lots of little web clips and, and stuff over the uh, over the hiatus. So much looking forward to that. Um, okay, next. Next. This is one of your favorites. Okay, this is, this is we've gone from Ryan's hairy agenda to my queer trans agenda. And this was actually quite a good year. I mean, we've it's been slow, um, as it has been for beardy men getting reasonable representation on television. <laughs> um, you know, the struggle. The struggle. Um, Represent. <laughs> but, you know, little by little. And one thing I keep saying to people is often it's, it's in the shows where you probably don't expect it so much um, that I particularly appreciate it. So, anyway, favourite queer or trans characters are... Cosima in Orphan Black, played, of course, by the wonderful Tatiana Maslany. Tony, who was the trans boy clone uh, in Orphan Black. Big surprise um, and wonderful that they went there, I thought. Um, 
Dorian Wonderfully Queer Grey in Penny Dreadful. Roscoe Khan, uh, the son of Marty Khan, Don Cheadle's character in House of Lies, who broadly you would put in the sort of queer, non-binary gender character, uh, a young guy. I think he's like 12 or so when the when the show started, maybe a little younger. Um, and again, in a, in a comedy where you don't expect it, I think that was uh, something I really appreciated. Um, well, yeah, especially when the main character is such a misogynistic... <laughs> Womanizing, se- over-sexualized yes. uh, not, man's man yes, that his a, son is this pansexual, gender, queer, neutral yeah. character. It's very interesting. Um, Pousset from Orange is the New Black. Sarah Lance. Oh, I miss you so. From Arrow. Mr. Leahy from uh, Trailer Park. Mr. Pa- Leahy and Randy, Randy as a couple. Sorry. Uh, and Randy from Trailer Park Boys, and finally right. Jules stopped pushing your agenda. <laughs> right, which probably should have got all the votes, right? Should have got all the votes. Um, <laughs> Jules, stop pushing your agenda. Um, a honorable mention goes to Ian Gallagher from Shameless, whom I completely spaced on, uh, who's a great character as well. Who are you loving in this list? It was a hard one for me. Um, Cosima is the uh, character I'd most like to date. Um, but I did end up going with Roscoe Khan from House of Lies. Uh, wonderful performance by a really young actor. And again, I think as we, we were just saying, I think it was also context. It was uh, something that also elevated this show, as, as a number of things did from what could have just been a, a sort of a, a hard-edged sort of comedy it, it it broadened out as did some of the things they did around race without at all taking away from the comedy these weren't very special moments that uh, they popped in the show but they really made house of lies for me something uh, something quite special and i just thought um uh roscoe's uh, the portrayal of him and the the way the people around him deal and don't deal with his both gender and sexuality was was wonderful uh and challenging and really just you know added added to the show a lot sarah lance also did departed sarah lance really hot as the black canary um on a purely character i would like to fuck basis okay uh, Donis Leonard Jr. is uh, the young actor that plays ah. Roscoe Kahn. Um, my favorite as well. Uh, just really interesting and and a great dynamic for the father to to deal with, and and he deals with very well. I think, um, you know, I think he represents the audience a little bit with being unsure of of how to respond. Oh or how yeah, to react and to he's things. no um, he's no. Um... A perfect role model as a father overall, either. Um, no, no. Uh, you know, he's often absent. Uh, you know, the grandfather sort of, he's almost co parenting with the grandfather. Um, and, and there are missteps. And Roscoe's not, all, the character is not always, um, he's not always, you know, he's a teenager. He's a fucking brat sometimes. So yeah. it's not, um, not sentimental. Where they take it. Yes. Where they take the character. You and I have seen the first new episode. And. <laughs> A little different, a little bit different side of Roscoe. So we'll see. I, I hope that uh, I hope that we get to see similar to what we've seen, and and they develop that yes that character, we will wait. That, especially that gender neutral style character, which I felt was really um, refreshing. Yes, um, our fans, being the CW fans that they are, <laughs> chose Sarah Lance from Armstrong or from Armstrong. Sarah Lance from Arrow. <laughs> Um, Look, wonderful performance yeah. by Katie Lotz. Uh, okay. I, I have a lot of time for her in the role, and she is she is sadly missed. Um, but yes, I'm sure part of that was um, influenced by the very uh, the popularity of Arrow as well. Did many people want me to stop pushing my agenda? Four uh, percent would like you to please stop pushing your agenda. <laughs> They're probably too. There was probably other people, but they were too scared because um, they thought I'd come and bash them up. <laughs> ah. Well, th- they should know that you would never do that. <sighs> well, maybe, maybe. Uh, Pusey from the Orange is the New Black was second place, and then Dorian Gray from Penny Dreadful was in third place. Wonderful. And Roscoe Khan, unfortunately, was second to last. Um, right uh, before Mr. Leahy and Randy from Trailer Park Boys, <laughs> well, who are my favorite queer couple. Uh, again, I think part of that uh, is is a reflection on people not having seen the shows. 
Um, as we all know, their awards, awards ceremonies and uh, systems are deeply flawed. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Go ahead. Uh, now, our most unexplained random what-the-fuck moment... <laughs> <laughs> Wonderful category. Now let's go mm. through this. So the first off was uh, something that kept popping up on the leftovers was repeat, which we never discussed when we did our no, podcast. No, no, I don't know. Well, there was a lot, to, <laughs> lot of weird things popping up on the leftovers, but a subtle yeah. little what the fuck was repeat showings of Perfect Strangers, the eighties sitcom. Um, which was sort of it was never commented on. It was never there was no point of it. Just, nope. It was just there. Um, I think we saw it probably five or six times yep. through the season. Anytime somebody's watching TV, they're watching Perfect Stranger reruns. Yes, which maybe bizarre. Maybe that's <laughs> some comment on the dystopic future of television. I don't know. Oh, maybe, maybe it's a harkening back to when TV was really good. <laughs> yeah. Uh, no. Uh, younger version. We are. We are all Larry Appleton. <laughs> Younger versions of Louis C.K. looking and acting nothing like his older self. Again, we I don't think we discussed that in the podcast either, but how fucking weird is that? Yeah, I don't know that it... Again, it, it actually bothered me so much. Um, I'm, but, I mean, they had different races for people. His wife, his ex-wife is black, yet in his flashback she's white. Yeah, that, but that wasn't. Uh, well, yeah, he that doesn't was a, look anything like it. Doesn't act anything like his, his future self. It was just jarring. It was weird and jarring. And okay, I, I, I <laughs> applaud their effort, but at the same time, you know, what the fuck? take a role from um, uh, Boardwalk Empire, who hired this amazing young actor that was like the spitting image of Steve Buscemi to play his younger self, and he played the role like. That was my favorite part of the season yeah. was the young Steve Buscemi role, uh, and that was like. Gorgeous, and then the Louis C.K. I was like, "What is that supposed to be him?" <laughs> All right, bent over. Um, Constantine. So, for those who've watched Constantine, and you may not know the backstory, um, after the pilot was made of Constantine, they decided to go in a different direction. So, they had introduced a female character who was going to be his sidekick, if you will, in the first episode decided after they'd shot the pilot that they didn't want to go in in that direction um she was quite a younger character than than constantine and they wanted someone more peer in age um so they actually reshot some scenes at the end to explain why she disappears and is never seen from again i, yeah. I don't know that it was actually that jarring uh and maybe because I watched the first few episodes at once, um, if you had just watched the pilot, you may think, gee, why did they spend all that time introducing a <laughs> character and then have her mysteriously just leave? Um, and you could argue over whether at this point they should have maybe kept the original. But um, these things happen and, you know, good on them for giving it a go, I suppose. Um <laughs> <laughs> the next one, well, I, I don't know if it's a what-the-fuck moment. Well, it literally is how-do-you-fuck moment. Um, is <laughs> Thackeray, uh, the surgeon in uh, The Nick, who has a habit of putting cocaine on his dick before sex. No <laughs> no one's complaining about this. <laughs> but it is an interesting... I am. <laughs> That's fucking weird. <laughs> um, cocaine plays a very large role in, in, in the Nick, both as um, part of the medical health system at the time and for recreational uh, use and abuse. Uh, and let, let's just say the, um, the character who... And it's actually her first sexual part... He's, he is her first sexual partner. Um, I sort of... <laughs> I don't feel hopeful for anyone who comes afterwards because um, she's liking this a lot. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, but it's, it is again, it's interesting, and in it's never commented on as as such. It's just nope. how how he fucks. Um, yeah. And I liked it. Um, the next one is how the fuck Scorpion Scorpion got funding for more than one episode, and in fact has been renewed for a second season. And in fact, people. Oh keep, my god! And in fact, people keep watching us. So I think. Oh, look, Ryan. I think god. this is good because it keeps us grounded. It does remind us that both networks and audiences can be absolute idiots. Yeah, and you can just see that by looking at the IMDb ratings of shows. That's true. That. Um. What's the next one? Let's oh, the next, the next one. Upset, I guess. 
<laughs> yes, let's move on because we'll, we don't want to talk about that show that we will not name. Um, oh, the dicks dropping off people as they became vampires in the strain. <laughs> that was sort of random. <laughs> uh, and again, uh, now, look, I haven't watched all of the first season of The Strain. Maybe at some point the, the, it's explained. But uh, just, yes, uh, why? And I don't know what happens to girls, uh, but certainly the dicks drop off the boys as they become vampires. Who knew? Weird. Um, you'll have to mention the last one because I haven't been watching the league. <laughs> Rafi claiming that he wants to get inside some fish biz on the league. <laughs> They're on the beach and Rafi's like, I'm going to go for a swim and see if I can find a mermaid. And then they said, why, why would you want to buy a mermaid? So I could totally do her. And be like, well, yeah, but you understand that they're half fish downstairs. Oh, I know. I totally want to get inside some fish biz. <laughs> uh, and I'm sure he, is he, does he achieve this? No, he does not. However, it's, that show is just so funny. I wish he would have stuck with it. There's just so many. I know it, it's, it's tough because it's about this football team thing, but there's just so many funny, funny things that happen and it. it's just great. Okay, I'll put it on my... Oh. When I... Anyways, um, Over... I think the, uh, they're going into their next episode uh, next season. Uh, oh, our, our fans chose uh, Constantine, by the way. Okay. Um, and then the dick's dropping off. <laughs> Over to you for another category dear to your heart our next category and is personality. The best Miserable Bastard. <laughs> The best miserable bastard. Interesting so the that most miserable or interesting that there's two comedies on here. Yeah, yeah, isn't that funny? Uh, the nominees are Ray Donovan in Ray Donovan, Louis C.K. in Louis, <laughs> Mark Maron in Maron, Kevin Garvey in The Leftovers, Oliver Queen in Arrow, Helena in Orphan Black, and Rust Cole in True Detective. Who do you think? I'm pretty sure our, our listeners will have gone for Oliver Queen. They did. Uh, and I would agree with that. He is a... I, I love Ollie, but he is a miserable, humorless bastard. And mm -hmm. <laughs> needs to lighten up a bit. Um, thank God there are other characters in that show who get to crack jokes. Because if it was just Oliver Queen, it would be unremittingly dark. Um, I think I went for Louis... You didn't. Uh, oh. oh, wait, sorry. Uh, yes, you did. I went with Helena for more from Black. Uh, I think that's an awesome character. I think she's <laughs> so miserable and just like, oh, God, just get off the screen. Uh, Russ Cole is up there, too. Um, so number one was Arrow, or Oliver Queen, then Helena, and then Russ Cole in third place. Yeah, it's a, it's a hard... I mean, I love Helena's character. She's less miserable in the second season, She's still she, evil, yeah. but she's less less miserable. Less miserable. Um, but I, I have to say that that for those first three—Donovan, Louis, and Marin—they're mm -hmm. they're they're pretty fucking miserable. Yeah, they are. Yeah. <laughs> um, Marin, I wouldn't put in there just because he makes me laugh more than the other two do. Yes, uh, I, yes. I have been uh, continuing my watch of Marin at the moment, and. Um, uh, he definitely is a miserable bastard, but he, he does make me laugh. So um, He is funny, yeah. <laughs> uh, I wouldn't put him there. Kevin Garvey in The Leftovers, pretty miserable. Uh, a lot of miserable bastards on TV. Lighten up, guys. You bet. Yeah, Grow a beard. It. Notice none of the yeah. miserable bastards have beards. It's true. That's all you need is a goddamn beard. You'll be jolly as Santa Claus. <laughs> Just like you. You're very, yeah. you're very jolly. Well, I am also shaped like Santa Claus. <laughs> There you go. That's why you're such a happy person. Ho, 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 motherfuckers. Go on. <laughs> next one. Uh, next one. Oh, I think I might have put this category in. Best drug use in a drama. As mentioned, we have cocaine being used all over the place and proving what we really need to make everyone's health system better is lots more cocaine. Weed oh. in Broad City and certainly the discovery that your vagina is really a purse where you can hide your marijuana. Uh, it was a revelation. <laughs> Tobacco, yes, the guilty remnant smoking continually in the leftovers. Now, I have to say, as an ex-smoker, sometimes watching it on television, you, uh, Battlestar, uh, not Battlestar Galactica, um, 
Caprica, the, the prequel to yeah. that was one, uh, and, and Mad Men, where occasionally I'm like, oh my God, I want to have a whiskey and a cigarette yeah. right now. Exactly. Yeah. Not in the leftovers. <laughs> make me no. never want to ever smoke again. Um, Absinthe, the wonderful green fairy in Penny Dreadful, and the ubiquitous hash oil in Trailer Park Boys, who, who actually have also invented a currency based on... Hash. On hash, yeah. Will actually pay for their goods in compressed, uh, coin-like uh, pieces of dough. Coin-sized blocks of hash, yeah. Uh, let's see. What did you go for, Ryan? I went with hash oil in the Trailer Park Boys. <laughs> I mean, that's quite quite literally the best use of a drug in, in a drama. <laughs> They're using it as currency. Um, our fans went with absinthe in Penny Dreadful. And Which I, th- I thought was in- interesting, and you went. With- I think I went with weed in Broad City, didn't I? You didn't. Oh, with cocaine, cocaine in the, the neck. neck. Oh, look, it was yeah. a toss-up. <laughs> it was a toss-up for me. I have. I will actually say, um, I have recently become rather fond of absinthe. Uh, absinthe and champagne. Oh. It's a drink called Death in the Afternoon, and it's become a little bit of a favourite from of mine. Um, but I think best used in a drama was uh, the aforementioned cocaine in the nick, although I'll give uh, the Trailer Park Boys their <laughs> production of a really a whole economy based around hash um, <laughs> is, is well worth it. But funny that we do live in this age where we can have all those things on television, but NBC won't let Constantine actually smoke a cigarette. Right, of course. Because of somehow course. that's going to lead to you know the downfall Children. of civilization. Indeed. And finally, no, no, two more categories. Uh, not finally. Uh, best use of the Holy Trinity. And what is the Holy Trinity, Jules? Swearing, nudity, and violence. So help me, Ryan. The three things that you uh-huh. and I value very highly in any any TV show. We put above all else. We do, really. Um, and yeah. look, there was a, a lot of it. Although often it's, you get one, you know, it's, it's hard to get all three. Right. Uh, in good measure. Uh, mm-hmm. So we... We have quite a few shows that do it. Why don't you... Uh, what, what are the nominees? Boardwalk Empire, mm-hmm. True Detective, The Nick, mm-hmm. Penny Dreadful, Vikings, The Affair, Black Sails, Power and Outlander. So, pretty good selection. <laughs> <laughs> Let's say something about the shows we love. And what did our viewers, uh, listeners, go for, Ryan? Our viewers, listeners, went with... Penny Dreadful. Their number one pick was actually Vikings, oh, if you can believe it. Oh, no, I can believe it. Isn't that funny? Um, and there's some great nudity in Vikings. Oh, yeah. Me? And, and then um, Penny Dreadful was very close uh, in second place. And then we jump all the way to True Detective, which had some pretty good topless scenes. Mm. I went with I went with Vikings personally because I think of all of them. Although I couldn't remember off the top of my head what the swearing was like. Um, I know there was cursing of various sorts, probably invoking mm-hmm. Norse gods. Uh, I thought it most yeah. evenly balanced uh, sex and nudity and violence. I went with Boardwalk Empire just because it's such a it was such a long running uh, thing and it was always good for a, a topless scene or two per episode. Uh, certainly didn't shy away from it. Um, and you know what we left power power should get on, honorable mention too. They do quite a bit. You know what we left off there, which is obviously up there. Mm. Game of Thrones. Oh yeah, of course. <laughs> Game of Thrones would be up there, wouldn't it? Now I can't remember whether we actually reviewed Game of Thrones. I'm sure we mentioned it enough. We did. It was our uh, it was early episode, our first or second. Yeah. yeah. So pretty yeah. bad to leave Game of Thrones off. Um, but one thing I'd say about Vikings is a bit more happy sex in Vikings. There's some not so happy sex in Vikings too. But um, uh-huh. Uh-huh. Uh, you know, there's not a lot of happy sex in uh, Game of Thrones, except maybe for Jon Snow and Egret. Had a bit of a bit right. of a nice time. Uh, well, that, yeah. And we found out that Jon Snow does know something. <laughs> he does know something, yeah. Uh, Black Sails w- has some pretty good stuff, Black Sails, certainly. We Yes. Yeah. Yeah, go Pirates. Mm-hmm. And Lesbian Pirates. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, but we'll be keeping an eye open for more of that, uh, of our Holy Trinity in Shows to Watch mm-hmm. in 2015. And, and finally, mm-hmm. because... Um, <laughs> 
this is my category, was best mutilation. And by best, we mean worst, most cringeworthy. Oh, we, you know what? Why didn't we spend more time on this? There was um, um, the mountain versus the viper should have been on there. It should have been on there. It should have been on there when his head gets crushed like a grapefruit. Uh, it's Oh, whoa, spoilers oh, there, Oh, come eh? on. <laughs> come on. Um that was pretty good. I'm sure there were some others. These were the ones that stood out to me. Um, we had poor Bobby in Sons... And spoilers, if you haven't seen the current seasons of Sons of Anarchy, Walking Dead or Hannibal, I'm going to say spoilers now. Bobby getting his eye removed with a grapefruit spoon. Right. Um, possibly because just the grapefruit spoon thing was... So, so it's like a... a flared teaspoon with a serrated edge now the fact yeah. that you would have <laughs> you would have um these people uh, who are torturing bobby actually have a grapefruit spoon is partly why i love this um and also it was a very powerful moment in in the show because they do it they video it and send an ipad with the video of the eye removal and his eye to his uh, club. Jesus and um, it, it's an incredibly emotional moment. It didn't kill him. He lives on after mm -hmm. that. His other body parts mm -hmm. removed as well. Um, Walking Dead, we had Bob. Poor old Bob who gets his leg removed and barbecued. Mm -hmm. um, but jokes on the people who eat it because he was actually um, turning into a zombie at the time. Um mm. Not sure how that affects you. Like, I'm not sure whether eating someone who's yeah. turning does oh. something to you. Um, not quite sure. Uh, but uh, anyway, seeing his legs spinning around on the, you know, or being but grilled really and people eating it mm -hmm. and him with his stump mm -hmm. was a good moment. And probably, mm -hmm. I, I, mean, I probably can't go past this for just absolute grossness was uh, Mason Verger who, who uh, Hannibal makes eat his own face while it's still on mm. his face. That was okay. pretty gross. Yeah. Um, that sounds pretty gross. <laughs> that's what you miss when you don't watch Hannibal. Mm -hmm. <laughs> what did you vote for, Ryan? Seeing you've only seen uh, seen one of those. I voted for Bob's yeah. Lake. Bob's Lake. And there were lots of Bob's barbecue jokes and Oh, that so, was good. Uh, but your Mason Verger one is the most popular uh, with 21% of the votes. A lot of people voted here. We had 51% uh, of the votes in this category. Oh, wow. 21% uh, went to Mason, 20 to Bob, and 10% to Bobby. So. People like a good mutilation. I must keep better track of them this year. Um, yeah. Uh, there's a lot of violence on television at the moment. Can't show a nipple or show anyone smoking, but... You can show someone getting their eyes scooped out or someone eating their yes. own face. Exactly. <laughs> um, I will mention that Brian Fuller, who makes uh, Hannibal, one of the very memorable scenes this year was uh, a scene where someone ha someone's body is sewn inside the corpse of a horse and when it's removed, there's then a bird inside that body's chest. And Brian Fuller posted mm -hmm. to say, if you thought that was fucked up, wait till you see what we've just filmed. Uh, totally. So I, I pretty much ensure that means that you won't be catching up with season three of Hannibal. Correct, I will not. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, for you? those of us that do enjoy it, more to come. Okay, that's the chinnies. Well, we have one thing left, which was... The, to preserve the integrity of this poll, please promise to vote only once. And we had 1,099 people who voted that they swore that they would only vote once. And we had 206 people that voted, I have no honor and I will vote more than once. <laughs> and they weren't all... So 16% of the people voting are bastards, including you, Jules. I saw you. I saw your results. You bastard. <laughs> I think I only ended up voting twice, so there you go. I yeah. didn't skew the results so much. But, um, hey, it was a popularity contest, so go for it, I say. No, well, I don't say that. Oh, no. you've got too much integrity. Now the whole thing gets thrown out. You and your integrity, Ryan. God. Very integral. You're the moral backbone of this podcast. The last Boy Scout over here. 
<laughs> I told you to stop playing with Boy Scouts. Um, <laughs> people, you're looking for the last Boy Scout. Ryan's got him. <laughs> that's right. Um, that is right. So that's all for the chinnies for this year. Um, we we had how many people voted in the end, Ryan? Uh, Thirteen hundred and five. That's pretty amazing. That's pretty awesome. Um, I hope all those people will come back and listen to our show this year, or catch up on uh, our podcast from last year. If you are looking for good new shows to watch, our podcasts do tend to be mainly spoiler-free, so you can listen to a podcast if you're thinking of watching a show, and we will tell you why you should be watching a show and what's wonderful about it uh, in the depth that these categories themselves could not could not capture. Um, but we'll be back this year. There are many new shows coming on many new platforms. We've already got a list started. We've got a lot of new and interesting things that are going to come down. And uh, yeah, we've, I, we've already started watching them, haven't we, Jules? Um, we have. And I think we'll probably, at some point, we might revisit, as I said before, some of the shows that we reviewed last year, what, which ones we're still watching, which ones we've dropped, what has got better, what has got worse. Um and see where that ends up. Uh, and looking forward to a, another year. I think this is our 32nd podcast, is it, Ryan? Something like that? That certainly sounds about right. Yeah, 30, 32, I think, yeah. Uh, so looking forward to being back in 2015 with all the best in television. Thanks, everyone, for tuning in to the 2014 Chinny Awards. And thanks to all those who cast your vote and to all those who voted twice Yes, you are. Don't listen to. You see yourself out. Don't listen to Ryan. Don't forget to vote. <laughs> please. Thanks, Jules. Pl- Happy New Year, and let's look forward to a great 2015. Keep watching television, everyone. Bye.